We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. And today we'll be doing another film review session of three prospects who all seem to be consensus lottery picks in next week's draft. That's Davion Mitchell of Baylor, James Booknight of UConn, and Moses Moody from Arkansas, our presenting sponsors. Again, BetUS, a place for you with the NBA playoffs done, I guess, but other things available to wager on the games. At BetUS, they got great payouts, industry, the industry's biggest bonuses, and every bet type you could dream of. You can join now by calling 1-800-69-BETUS or online at BetUS.com. 125% sign-up bonus using the promo code DANE125. BetUS, you bet, you win, you get paid. I'm joined, as always, um, for these draft film reviews by Will DeBerg from the University of St. Thomas. And Will, let's start with... Uh, national champion, Davion Mitchell. Uh, Mitchell, I know, is a player that you probably watched a lot during the season. So you kind of have that vision, that thought in your head of who Davion Mitchell is. Did anything change or more so pop to you as you went back and watched some of this film of Mitchell? I mean, it's funny because maybe it was the last podcast or a couple podcasts ago, we talked about the lack of a national tournament last year versus the national tournament this year. And he's a guy that I mean he 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 had a great year, great last year too. Um, but stock clearly rose throughout the tournament. Um, he was the best player in the tournament, undoubtedly. Right, not uh, close. Led his team. Really, they blew out pretty much everybody. In the, even the title game against Gonzaga. Right, like he, he he was the best player in the tournament. So, um, no, I mean he he obviously is projected in the lottery for a reason. Um, and Baylor was obviously really good for a reason, and a lot of it had to do with, with him. I think the a big place to start with where people are going to start cutting down that performance in uh, in the tournament and just all season long where he had obviously great success as a, as a leader. His team had great success. His numbers are good. They're going to start cutting it down with his size immediately. And I think as somebody who's stupidly obsessed with these physical <laughs> sort of things, it's really annoying to me that everyone is calling him six feet flat because he measured six feet without shoes on. And what we always do for all the other players is like you give them their in, in shoes height. So not that he's tall, but everyone is talking about how he measured six foot flat um, at, at the combine, which is true. 
but like his cousin Donovan Mitchell measured six one without shoes at the combine as well. And everybody talks about Donovan Mitchell as being, you know, six three. I think some places might even say six four. You know, so it is part of the analysis that Davion Mitchell is short and has a short wingspan. He's his wingspan is only six four. It's two hundred pounds. He's a he is a smaller point guard, but I find it a little ridiculous that we've we've totally labeled him as this. There's a I mean, there's a ton of players who have came who have come out of, of recent traps who have measured in shoes without shoes, six one or shorter than that. I said Donovan Mitchell, you got um you got Carson Edwards, Jalen Brunson, Trey Young, Colin Sexton, Devontae Graham, Javon Carter, Aaron Holiday, Monte Morris, Campaign, Terry Rozier, TJ McConnell, Tyus Jones, Quinn Cook. I mean, that's a bunch of players who have been in rotations in the league. That's I think that's just the last five draft classes of of players that size so i just want to establish that guys who are six foot tall without shoes on can actually play in the nba they do there's a bunch of them yeah i i think they use it when like, <laughs> they want to take them down when they want to prove a point and they probably do it with the tall guys too and they'll say he's yeah. in shoes you know what i mean like they'll they'll use it on both ends of the spectrum um but yeah, man, I don't know. He's he's not tall. He's not. It's no. clearly one of the, I guess, concerns. Uh, you sent me the list of, of comps, and it's usually a lot longer list. And I was <laughs> like, why is this one shorter? And it's because there aren't a ton of guys in the league who are that height. Well, so some of those guys I, I listed off, um, well, are are six foot tall, right? But they either have a lot longer of a wingspan. There's there's a lot of like dudes in the league who like Colin Sexton has like a six seven wingspan. Right. Um, or Donovan Mitchell has a six ten wingspan and is is that height. So that that's a differentiator from from Davion Mitchell and and those players. But another big differentiator, and I think why the list is so short, is that he's over two hundred pounds. Part of that's about being you know twenty three years old coming up, but he is thick. You yep. know, I mean he's a he's going to be a big dude. He's he's that like fire hydrant type of six foot tall guy. And so the the guys who measure height wingspan and weight closest to him Cassius Winston from last year Carson Edwards Jalen Brunson Javon Carter and Jimmer Fredette that is not a very encouraging list of players who are you know exactly that height wingspan and weight um but I I think I think I look at at something in between a Jalen Brunson and a Javon Carter where you know with Davion Mitchell defense is not going to be a problem in, in the league at all. I mean, we can get into that. It's probably the biggest thing to rave about with him. But also, a guy like Jalen Brunson has totally carved out a role in this league. Yes, he kind of plays like backup point guard in Dallas to Luka, but, I mean, he's on his way to get paid um, and, and you know, could be a starting point guard on a bad team in the league, I think, for sure. Um, a third guard on a really good team in the league. So there are guys there are guys this size that that are able to to find success in this. And, and for me... The only real area it's concerning to me, and this was also kind of something I brought up with Jalen Suggs, with I think it's just going to really impact his ability to to finish around the basket at the NBA level. Is is being short and not having a, a long wingspan is going to make it difficult for him to to finish around the rim. I, I really like the Jalen Brunson comparison in part because the size obviously is very similar, but also the college background. Yep, played played in college. I mean. Davion Mitchell played, I think, four years with a year off, transferred from Auburn. Mm -hmm. Brunson was, I think, a three-year guy at Villanova. Sounds they right. both won a national championship. Brunson won two, actually, I think. I think so. Um, so just winners who 
I'm sure when Brunson was coming out, he wasn't. Where did Brunson get drafted? Do you remember? I think he went thirty third overall. Yeah, he's early second. second. But I'm sure this, you know, a lot of the same. He's not the athlete that Davion Mitchell is, which is true. Which is why Mitchell is higher is going to be drafted higher than Brunson was. But just the same doubts or knocks that Mitchell has. I think older, not very tall. Like those are the same things we were saying about Jalen Brunson. Um, and I think it's you know I. <laughs> I know track records of guys that that big and got you know 22, 23 year olds being taken in the lottery doesn't pan out. That being said, and maybe this is I, I really like David. I mean, I think he's mm-hmm. I think he's awesome. It was really fun to watch his film. Like he's a pretty complete player for being that high. You know what I mean? Like he's just I don't know if you were, if I were to say what's his what what what's his weak like just take size out of it in a in a skill vacuum. What is he? Where does he struggle? I mean, I think it's what I said. I think it's it's probably around the basket, and that is kind of inescapable to separate from his size. Like that, that's going to be part of but it. Your but your project, I thought he, he finished on he finished really well in college. I, I think the numbers were effective. I think what you saw show up on film was when he's going up against bigger guys. It it you know that's just how it works right. in basketball, right? It makes that that shot. But you're projecting more, more than taking what you saw. That's fair. That's fair, right? Or is taking what actually like played out as a, re- yeah. as a result. Um, no, I, 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 I went into it, Davion Mitchell going into his film thinking, you know, this guy's probably been overrated by, by the fact of, you know, what, what played out in the tournament. We have a, a track record as a, whatever people analyze in the draft of overhyping guys like that. And so I really started, you know, looking for, looking for downside with him, you know, how, you know, how can the floor fall out here, Johnny Flynn style, right? And and it was really hard for me to find because I think with Mitchell, there you have this defensive floor where he's going to be a you know a bulldog defensively at the point of attack. I mean, I brought up Javon Carter before; is he's stayed in the league for probably four or five years now out of college, and and I think Davion Mitchell is immediately a substantially better Not on ball, close. yeah defender than Javon Carter is so I'm just saying like he there isn't a world like barring injury that Davion Mitchell is just too small to play in the NBA and like gets bounced out of it he he's in and then what kind of started to intrigue me more was you could start envisioning him being a point guard you know in in the NBA at the NBA level now I think for me it's a point guard I would want to be playing next to another like creator at the two or three who can who can be there as well because I don't think you want Davion Mitchell to be like, oh, now there's seven seconds left in the shot clock. Swing it back up to the top and let him create. Like, not that he can't do that. I just don't think he'll do that at a very high level. But I, I just, I just kept watching and thinking this guy can fit in. It's he, he can play in every team's rotation tomorrow. And and there's a reason to see like some upside that he's. People will compare him to Pat Peverly, but to to see him have a package that is even more complete than Beverly's do a lot more than Beverly while being that type of point of attack defender. Well, we've talked a lot about of, of his defense, but he's objectively a, like good on offense too, right? At least at the college level. And mm-hmm. I think you say not maybe like your main creator. I think, I think he can create for himself. Like yeah. I thought the way he shot it off the dribble, the way he could step back, the way he could finish. And I, the finishing is probably a question mark where I think he's, and I agree with you, have, he's got to play alongside a, a two or a three or even a one mm-hmm. who can create is, I think he struggles a little bit to create for others. Sure. Um, 
and that's only going to be kind of like a Van Vliet Lowry situation. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Um, because I think like in the NBA today, like you got to be able to make cross court skip passes coming out of pick and rolls. It's just the way teams defend, the way teams help, and you know, being his size, I, I didn't see him do it a lot at a lot at at Baylor, but he, I think, creating for himself like five seconds left on the shot clock, like could get a bucket. I I actually think he's pretty damn good at that. Okay. Yeah. No. I. I it. Yeah, and, and I don't know. I mean, it is, I think for me, part of it is, as, as I start this off by like ripping on everyone for over pointing out the size, I mean, it probably is a subconscious bias for me of just like, I see him be able to do it against Jalen Suggs, you know, in the in the national championship. And I still go, well, is he going to be able to do it at the next level? Well, I think Jalen Suggs is going to be a really good point of attack defender in the NBA. Did, so, so you're did right. Did you watch I mean, the games against, against Cade Cunningham? Yeah. Yes. And that's not to, yeah. not like that's where Cade's going to struggle against mm-hmm. those short, quick, strong guards. And, well, he, and the way he guarded Cade too. Ex- the second half of the big 12 tournament game, the semifinals when Cade got loose and they actually beat Baylor, but the mm-hmm. two games prior he Cade, Cade did not, Cade didn't have much fun against, against Baylor. And, and that's because, yeah, I mean that, I think people, it makes sense that Davion Mitchell could really slow down Cade Cunningham, what Cade Cunningham's on offense. But for Mitchell to also have success in that game offensively was was impressive too. And that, again, that goes to your point that it's like this guy has done it up against NBA level athletes, NBA size players. And, you know, that's why I, I, I leave open this possibility that there is this real upside for Mitchell where. Again, I mean, we weren't doing this with Donovan Mitchell back then, but I don't, I don't think. I mean, would have Donovan Mitchell go like thirteenth, fourteenth, something like that? Yeah. I don't think anyone saw the star, maybe even star upside for Donovan Mitchell, and and he, you know, he found it. He had, he did have the shot creation ability coming out of college, and there was just questions about, you know, was he going to be able to put that together? Was he going to be able to? you know, be a shot maker at the NBA level at a high clip, given his, you know, his size and some of his shortcomings. And he did. And so the, it, it isn't crazy for me to see Davion Mitchell come in and do that. I just look at it like initially, and I kind of want to give him a, a, a small role because I think he could really thrive in that role. And I think he's the type of rookie where you try and add something to his role every single year and then, you know, see where it goes. Can we talk about his shot for a second? Yes, I'm curious so where you're at on that i'm curious where you're at it too because he auburn he didn't play a ton he played 15 20 minutes a game in that range mm-hmm. did not shoot it well shot upper 20s from three yeah. then took the year off first year at baylor shot uh low 30s i think do you yeah, have the numbers like 31 i have it here somewhere and then shot 45 <laughs> so yeah i guess the where i struggle is did he actually just become a better shooter did he make a jump did he change something to, to get to that level or are we is there a little bit of a fluke situation from last year did he shoot it better last year and i'm not saying he's gonna shoot 45 percent from three in the nba right. but is there are we are we missing something there like is there what do you yeah, think it, it, it's it's interesting in the case against it i think statistically is you look at his free throw percentage all three of those years 67 66 65 so Obviously, a lot of times we take free throw percentage yeah. to be, you know, representative of what your how good your stroke is. Um, I I think with with Davion Mitchell, it's a compact sort of stroke. Um, I wouldn't say it's like pure or anything like that, but it, it 
not like the other two guys we're going to talk about. It, yeah, it, it might it might be a little bit of just having watched the Bucks and stuff, but kind of reminded me of Drew Holiday a little bit, where it's it's like, it can be really good, and it you know it, it it it's just not like the thing he's best at. So I feel like when he's in rhythm, it you know you're like oh you can make him at you can make him at a high clip, and if not, it's just. It wasn't pure. The other player, the other comparison, although I feel like I'm throwing out a million of them, just the way he moves and the way he kind of like stays kind of upright, he looks so much like Kemba Walker to me. Like the way he just dribbles, the way he kind of like dribbles the ball up the floor. And I mean, Kemba has an elite pull-up game. I mean, that's what made him a star player when he was a star player in this league. But I was watching, I'm like, yeah, this reminds me a lot of the way Kemba moves his body. And Davion had, Davion's numbers off the dribble. Like he, he was good in the mid range. Like he, he has... Mm-hmm. He has that craftiness plus explosion that Kemba did, right. does, did. Um, it's just what makes Kemba, and again, Kemba's one of these tiny guys too. Yeah. What made Kemba like all of a sudden, you know, it's the first years, first couple of years on the Bobcats, it's nothing. He just developed, he became a hitting pull-up threes at, like or off of pick and rolls at a, like a 40%. That, like, if Davion Mitchell becomes a star player, he almost has to add that to it and... I think that would be pretty hard for me to project that he's going to be a guy who's going to be able to come and pull up and hit at the NBA, get a high screen for him. Guy goes under immediately pull and hit those at upper thirties, forty percent. Like that's what you need to be elite at if you want to be elite at six foot one in the NBA. Would would anything change in like your opinion on him if he was nineteen years old? Well, old. we would only have this last year where he shot 45%, so we wouldn't have any of the 29. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yes. So do you put more weight into the 45% year or the other two years where it was? I don't know. It's, just, it's confusing. Because um, he looks, I think, I mean, his shot looks like it's, I like the way his shot looks. And I think it's easier. The smaller you are, I think it's more compact just mm-hmm. in general. So you don't like my Drew Holiday comparison? No, I think it's, I think that's a, I mean, what is, what is Drew shot from his career? Yeah, probably like mid upper thirties. Yeah. I kind of that's yeah. I think that's a fine comparison actually. Yeah. Um, can I give you a couple of defensive stats? That, and I don't normally don't do the like the the yeah. the advanced stats or whatever. ISOs. There was a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know the number. <laughs> when teams try to ISO when he was on defense. So this is yeah not talking offense anymore. Forty four percent turnover rate. <laughs> Which to me, I, I don't know. If I've ever seen anything close to that, <laughs> especially the, the amount of minutes he was playing, the amount of—I mean, did you see? Did you see the 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 little clip I put out today? And they Twitter? played Houston in the tournament, and he just drove the guy to the he ran him into, into the, hoop. the stanchion. <laughs> I've never seen that ever happen before. Without like hand checking, he he scares people defensively. Yes, he scares people. Forty-four percent turnover rate is if like you go play against a fifth grader <laughs> hard as hard as you can. Um, it's incredible. The defensive film is absolutely incredible. 30, 34% turnover rate when he's the lead defender in a pick and roll. That means one in three possessions when you run a pick and roll, when he's the point guard, it's going to be a turnover. It's insane. It's insane. And then that's to piggyback off that 0.56 points per possession pick. and roll. Yeah. I saw that stat. I mean, it's just incredible, mm-hmm. which is like, and, and the thing a lot of times you know, people talk about it at the NBA level with pick and roll defense, right? It's like, well, you know, we're gonna we're gonna need to switch it. We're gonna need to drop the big. Well, the best weapon you can possibly have against a pick and roll is is a player who can 
just stay pressed up on the ball just and not get screened. Just blow it right. And and he, Mitchell, projects to be a player that can do that at you know at a high level. And now, so that is like, you know, if you you're some of these teams in the lottery who have a crappy five, right? Which a lot of them do, or a learning five. That's so helpful. That's so helpful for your big, you know, to be able to just it helps your big stabilize your defense and and I think I think that's the case for him. A lot of people are like, oh, just put him on the Warriors like a plug and play guy right now and Draymond and him next to each other would be insane defensively and, and potentially problematic and offensively. Clay. And Clay. Yeah, and Clay, yeah. Um it's but, funny though, any old guy is just like the Warriors would be a great fit. Like every <laughs> yeah. like we did that with I mean, everybody yeah. who's not like a project is just Well, it's just because he's gonna be able he's gonna be able to play next year, like totally. like right away. And and I don't know, we got get moving on here with the other two, but I mean th- these mid lottery guys out of the top five plus barns, all of them have these kind of like question marks where you would say really limit what their ceiling could be or a hole that can, you know, potentially make them not even be a real rotation player. They just don't have like elite talent and well-rounded games. And this is, this is Mitchell's what like Mitchell's flaw is his, you know, is his size, but it's still to me of these players and, and book Knight and Moody will be two of them. He is just the, the, the most safe to be able to to bank on. I know, totally agree. To bank on being in your rotation over these these next few years. I would be surprised if he isn't having the impact that Jalen Brunson has had in his first uh, it, recently in Dallas, which I know that maybe doesn't excite people that much, but that's like a really important third guard yes. for that team, for a good team. Like I think Mitchell will bring that potentially from day one. I'll yeah, I mean, I know we gotta get moving. I would be shocked if he's not in the next couple of years, like playing meaningful minutes on playoff, team. you know what I mean? Like he's just a guy that's going to be, I think the Van Fleet type of like, he's just, he's too good, too tough, plays too good of defense. Like in these playoff series, like watching these guys have to guard some totally. of these elite point guards. He's just, I don't know. I think he's just, he's too talented not to, not to figure it out. And brings a floor. He does. He does bring a floor. That's a big thing for me that I would say like, I'm not I'm not concerned about him fizzling out and that that in and of itself isn't enough to justify drafting him in the lottery of course but there's enough other little things to be excited about where you see maybe not massive upside but small sorts of upside that can convince you that yeah when we look back at this 4 years from now he's going to be better than the majority of the players drafted Definitely. in the lottery. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with some book night. The NBA Finals are over, but this summer's betting action is just heating up with my friends over at BetUS. With the UFC, MLB, golf, Summer Olympics, and football season all just around the corner, you need a sports book with great payouts. BetUS has the industry's biggest bonuses and every bet type you could think of. BetUS has been a pioneer in online sports betting for over 25 years and prides itself on being America's favorite sports book. So take advantage of this action-packed summer and sign up today at BetUS.com. That's BetUS.com or 1-800-69-BETUS. And receive 125% sign-up bonus when you use the promo code DANE125. If you missed tip-off, a game's underway, and you forgot to bet, that's not a problem. At BetUS, you can bet live all the way up to the final buzzer. You can bet on the NFL. at The week one lines are already up at BetUS for you to bet on. If you want to do some blackjack, spin the wheels, there are hundreds of games in the BetUS casino. 
I bet at BetUS and so should you. Join now by calling 1-800-69-BETUS or online at BetUS.com. BetUS, you bet, you win, you get paid. All right, well, moving on to James Booknight from UConn. Uh, he is also six foot five with a 6'8 wingspan, 185 pounds, which is pretty much the exact same size of two guys we've already done who, other, well, Jalen Green will for sure be a lottery pick. Uh, Keon Johnson will be a, a first-round pick. That kind of creator, one-and-a-half, two-guard type of player, NBA physical comps for those guys are Ben McAmore, Elford Payton, a Jordan Clarkson, D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Derek White, Teo Maladon. Those are the same names I listed off for those other guys too. That's that's the size of James Booknight. And really, I mean, he projects to be a Jordan Clarkson type of player in the league. That's That's what his game is. He... He is an offensive bucket getter. I think that is that's that is his plan, and that's what shows up for me more than anything when I watch his film. I'm curious to see what you think about him. Like, as far as where, I guess, let me put it this way: Would it surprise you if he's an All Star? Like, completely surprise you? No, no. Because- I think he's as talented as any, like, offensively as anybody we've done so far with these. Right. It's the thing that that holds me back. It's yeah, talent wise, he he has it, and this is different than Keon Johnson. Keon Johnson has athleticism. That that's a that's a different thing. Like Book Knight has incredible handle. He is an, he is incre- like incredible ability to create space, an incredible ability to finish. It's to pull it's up. Devin Booker. Yeah. Yes, but but yeah, like, yeah. Like the I'm saying as far as like just the the weird step back. Off mm-hmm. this foot, off this foot, you know, and it's just just a natural. Cra- it's a natural craftiness plus athleticism that kind of. It's just a ton. He's going to need to adjust a ton of his mentality, and and an ability to like to work within a team concept totally. because he didn't remotely do that at at UConn and and it, we we talk about this a lot when we're assessing these players is we've had no opportunity to interview these guys we haven't talked to their coaches anything like that so. That is literally the first note I have on him. Yeah, like if I if I could talk to his coach and if I you know or, or a scout that I had a you know a trust in and belief that they believe that this is going to be a guy who will, you know, these issues of him never passing the ball are merely things that are just rust he needs to like knock off and there's this there's gold beneath it. Then yeah, like I I I, I mean you can you could start justifying him up with one of the top five guys, but. Just watching the film, which is what I try and make, you know, 95% of my focus on this be, is just I, I, I see a guy who I'm really concerned about being able to, you know, <laughs> negotiate that balance of being a scorer and being a teammate in, in the NBA. Because, yeah, and I know everyone's going to say his teammates stunk at UConn or whatever. Well, they're not going to stink in the NBA. doesn't matter what team you're on. You're going to have to pass to them sometimes. And... um that is not something he does very often. He, I don't know. Th- this, is, this is the way I thought of, like, trying to get in his head when he's making decisions. He's just that, that basketball player who thinks that him shooting is almost always a better option than anyone else on his team shooting, which is, was true. 
the only way he would kind of believe that it was a better option for one of his teammates to shoot is if they were wide open. And then he actually made some nice passes. Like he had, he had like some good, like come off a screen, be able to read it and, and find someone there. But I mean, his feel for the game is really good. It is, but his belief in himself, which is normally a good thing is, is yeah. through the roof and maybe bordering on irrational at times. To have the ball in your hands as much as he did and to average less than two assists is is honestly almost impossible. You have to almost try to do that. It, it, there's, there's, I got to read this to you. <laughs> so, Booknight averaged 39.3 points per 100 possessions in nine Big East games. So, that he, he played in those games, got hurt, came back, you know, for the tournament. Mm-hmm. But... The Big East games, his conference tournament games, 39.3 points per 100 possessions. His assist rate was 3.2 assists per 100 possessions. That That's insane. That is, it's such a, such a difference. He never had more than five assists in a game. Again, for a guy who is playing, I don't know, not necessarily point guard. I mean, he raised up from the corner a lot, like pinned up, like, but a creating two on, on, you know, on that team. So it was... It was frustrating, but I also go to a lot of like my head goes to a lot of where my head goes with Jonathan Kaminga, who I think when we ultimately put our boards together, Kaminga's gonna be higher on my board than it is for a lot of people because there's this outline, not just an outline of a player, but a player I've seen do elite NBA things at, you know, the college or the nineteen year old level. Like you could put Kaminga in an NBA game tomorrow and and he he would make mistakes, but he would also make NBA-level plays in that game tomorrow. James Booknight, the exact same thing. He'd fall over sometimes, probably wouldn't pass. <laughs> we, but... have similar no- we have similar notes on this guy. Okay, yeah. My second note was, have you ever seen a guy fall onto the ground more? Well, a lot of the Timberwolves fell over a lot this right. year. Nas Reed was my boy, but I th- he fell over a lot. I think it was crazy. Yeah, And I don't know if that's my other – like, I really question his toughness. And I think I associate with constantly falling as being this sort of, I got hit. I'm going to use this as an excuse mm-hmm. to kind of not, you know what? I don't know. Yeah. But I kind of associate with, I coach kids a lot, like not even college, like young kids. The soft ones are always on the ground. The yeah. tough ones aren't. <laughs> and I don't know if that trickles up till when we get to college and pro. I think it totally does. So I, that worries me a lot. However, in five years, if he's averaging 25 a game for a team and they're and he's an all-star, mm-hmm. I think we're going to go back and watch his college film and be like, how did we not see this coming? <laughs> because he can score yeah. anywhere. Yeah. He's tall, he's lanky, he's athletic. He's his feel like I I don't know. I'm torn on him because I there's this is the guy more than probably anybody. But this is the thing, man. This is what you bet on. That's what you bet yeah, on. I know and Look. I would bet on him. I would bet on him. However, him more so than anybody we've done so far in this, probably including last year too, would be the guy I would want to talk to, like see mm-hmm. what he's like, watch him practice, watch him in a workout, talk to a coach, like mm-hmm. you were saying, more than anybody. Because I think it's going to come down to his mentality, his toughness. Does he care more about winning and being good or scoring 30? Because I, without knowing him or talking to him, if you offered him score 30 and lose or score 13 and win – I would bet a lot of money he would say, I want to score 30 and lose. And those guys, I don't think, yeah. rarely end up successful. But, we'll, I mean, this goes – there's a lot of Anthony Edwards there too. That, those are the things that we were, you know, we were yeah. saying with Ant last more, year as well. He's more 
Ant was, I don't want this to be taken out of context. Ant is a freak athlete. Yeah. He is more skilled and polished than Ant was at Georgia. Oh, for sure. Easily. Yeah, yeah, but he's not the, he's not the athlete. No. He doesn't have the force. No. Ant isn't falling over Correct. in that sort of way. Like, that's the difference. Well, Ant probably has 45 pounds on him or 40 yeah. pounds on him. Right. But, but it, it's, again, I, I actually think Ant shot 29.7% at Georgia, if I remember correctly, and he shot 29.7% right at UConn um, last year. So, and it's the same reason the numbers as low as it was is is that he is the grenade guy on his team and he doesn't have very good teammates. What did you What did you think of his shot? I, I loved it. It looks great. Yeah, I it's his free throw numbers are good. Like he's it. It's so funny because he's going to get associated with like Scotty Barnes because they both shot the same like twenty nine percent in college and it is just like the quintessential example of like watch the shots. Where are the shots coming from? How are they? You know how are they taking them? Now, the concern I have about his shot at the next level is he's going to still take bad ones. Like, yeah. at least with Anthony Edwards, you saw him, like, hone in and be a little bit more, like, specific on what, at least as the season went on. He what learned. Shots. He definitely learned. And, and so, you know, that's an example that another, you know, 19-year-old dude could, could learn as well. Um, I just know within Minnesota that, was something that was absolutely hammered home to him with a jackhammer every single day with Anthony Edwards is, you know, be yourself. We got it, you know, and they chiseled at that. And I think that was a good, you know, player development progression that coach, the Wolves coaching staff made with him. I also know that Anthony Edwards is extremely coachable. He is, if you, you talk about that fake conversation, that sort of thing, like you would, which, which this time last year, we would have had no idea. Exactly, exactly. And, so, and put it, so this is, I guess, back to my point is, had you been saying Ant is not coachable at this point, mm-hmm. it like we would probably be a lot more down on him than we are going totally. forward. And so I think that's sort of what where we're at. And unfortunately, we don't know that was answered. Well, and it's why if... It's not a matter of talent. Yeah, it's if Book Knight goes like sixth... Over, I, like I will have, I'll have Jonathan come and go over book night on on my on my board. But if Jonathan or if if book night goes above Kaminga, I will think that is understandable because I know those teams will have interviewed and have a ton of background on both book night and Kaminga, both of which just watching them plays, watching them play makes you ask questions about what's this guy gonna be like how coachable is he going to be how dedicated blah 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 all that sort of stuff so i think it's going to be there's a world in where it's completely justifiable for book Knight to be like the guy that we go whoa he went five he went four. like patrick williams last year we're like what we like a month mm-hmm. ago we were talking about 16 or something mm-hmm. like that he has and jumped up a lot lately he has and and a lot of times when when you see those big mock drafts the popular mock drafts like the names moving up on there that's not because like Kevin O'Connor has had more time to watch the film. Right. That's because they've been getting, yes, you know, whispers and and that sort of thing. Of this is where they're going to go. So yeah, I, I I thought he was fascinating, um, fascinating in a different way than Keon Johnson. I see an, a, an array of possibilities. I think but, if you told me pick, gun to my head, I've got to pick four all stars from this draft. Okay, and, I like this. And it doesn't matter if they're out of the league in two years. All you're trying to do is nail the four All-Stars, not yeah. worry about anything in between. Most likely to become an All-Star. I think he would be on mine, knowing full well that it might not work and he might. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Who would be the other three? Let's go Cade. Cade for sure. Probably Jalen Green. Probably Book Knight. 
And then you might have Kaminga, I would think. Not Mobley? I don't know. I center's tough. Center's tough. I and again we haven't because watched because it's all like Aiton. Like, is Aiton going to make an all time? Yeah, yeah, centers. I mean, maybe yeah. Suggs. I, yeah, it's basically. But yeah, I guess I, I, I guess my saying. point there is it's easy to just go the top yeah. four picks, right? But yeah, yeah. my point is, I mean, Book Knight could go four, five, right? And this would sound dumb, but I guess I was trying to make the point if he goes ten or eleven. I would take him more likely to be an all-star than sixth or tenth, whatever. Which goes back to your Booker comparison. Yes, I think um, I think it I think it makes a ton of sense, and I think to the Booker part too. You only we only saw part of his game. Booker, we only saw part of Booker's game in college. We saw other things develop. Granted, <laughs> these are different things with Booker and Book Knight, but um, yeah, there, there's a world where if he he develops different parts of his game, um, that he could be yeah he could be a well-rounded and, and we haven't talked about defense a two-way player yeah rebounds the ball again he prioritizes things that like Score. lead to getting buckets right um but uh but yeah like i don't think i'm not really concerned about him like he was very inconsistent on defense he, he was inconsistent but like that's better than being bad i mean <laughs> yeah, yeah there's, yeah. there's right. good there's good signs and the bad plays were just him clearly not caring which again leads us full circle back to does he care? Can can we get him to care? <laughs> My two right. things that I look for: does he give a shit? He cares about himself, <laughs> and does he? Would he be fun to play with? <laughs> Probably, Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, well, on that note, let's take another quick break, and we'll move on to Moses Moody. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now, they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Right now, visit creditkarma.com winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning Instant Karma. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVP Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. All right, Will. Moses Moody is a six foot six in shoes. Seven foot one wingspan, 211 pound wing um from university of arkansas players this was a this is a bizarre shape player um it's it's funny going through you get you get players who are shooting guards and you get players who are like power forwards or, or centers who are that size some of the names i pulled up were shake milton um jalen brown is that size a little jalen brown's a little bit heavier denzel valentine that size kelly Oubre, ronde hollis jefferson James Young and Thanasis Atetokounmpo. Um, so I, I found I often find actually those physical comments to be like somewhat helpful when I'm envisioning a player playing on the floor. But he he's basically just got long arms. All those guys are basically yeah. just have long arms is what that means. And um, with Moses Moody, it's those long arms should help him be your your classic you know three and D type of player. Is I mean. Do you feel like the analysis is a lot more complex than that with Moody? I've, we've agreed on a lot. I, I wrote in my notes again, I have probably lazy, but classic three and D guy. And I think 
you talk about the wingspan, right? I think there's a lot of guys who you look at the numbers and you're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize he had long arms. Like, that's that's good. Mm-hmm. But him, the way he plays both defensively <laughs> yeah. and the way he gets a shot up over taller guys, it's like he, he just clear- looks like it. He, yeah, he's, it's like yeah. these Gangle. his long arms clearly – you without even having to see the seven foot wingspan, you can tell he's got long arms, and you can tell that those long arms help him a lot. It's interesting. Um, I, I'll, I'll just start by saying this: I didn't love him. I didn't love. I didn't love the film. Um, yeah, I, I what I try and do, and this is getting harder at this time. I try and watch as much as I can before I really like go through and read. Like. Like Sam Vecini has a great like draft guide, which is super in depth. So I'll try and watch all of it, and then go read stuff. I mean, obviously some of that gets conflated. But as I watched Moses Moody and then went to go read Sam Vecini's piece on him, it did not line up with me at all. Um, I obviously see the outline of of a three and D guy, but I see one that I think in most drafts I would go great tools be cool with him at like 17 um you know kind of like Sadiq Bay last year like I think Sadiq Bay had I think Sadiq Bay had way better film in college like way better film than Moses Moody not that Moody's was bad but um but yeah I, I don't know you're, you're laughing over there the same thing you written down yep written down wrote down um yeah I mean I don't know look I think in this draft with a, a bunch of guys look it's everyone's like this draft is one of the best we've had in a long time and i actually agree with it based on like i think there's a bunch of talented dudes right like the chance that a guy like book Knight could go out of the top 10 just kind of tells you where we're at with this um so because the top the because the top of the draft is as good as it is in theory yes i don't think i would take a guy like this in the top 10 however i think he's projects to be a very good defender Mm -hmm. and a very good shooter and I don't know if it needs to be that much more complicated than that. Like his off the dribble game is non-existent. I thought mm-hmm. I thought it looked awkward. I didn't think it was good. I didn't think he finished around the basketball. The only part of it that ever looked good was when he got up to a shot because his shot is smooth. His shot is clean. really good. But everything else, and he did some of the other stuff because he was clearly the best. Like mm-hmm. when you're when you're the best player on your college team, you're just going to do stuff because you can. Right. And the other parts of his game, finishing, he finished around the rim very poorly. I thought he was a little bit awkward with. His handle, his create like one dribble stuff was fine, but anything more than a dribble was a little bit shaky. Agreed. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I don't know. Like, I still think I like him. I I still like. Yeah, no, like, it's I don't know. like I, a role. It's just the, I watched how important Cam Cam Johnson was to the Suns. Like guys like that are are and and then I, like I think even another level up of that is you know Macal Bridges. Yeah, and it's why I think a team. I think it's why we'll see him hot. It's why he's high on San Vicini's board. It's why a lot of people yeah. will have, have him really high because that is an extremely val- – obviously, I, I'm not stupid. I understand a 3 and D guy is, is going to be good. And it, you, you said very good defender and very good shooter. Even if he's just a good defender right. and good shooter, like that is even you know a, a guy that's going to yes. play in the playoffs for you, you know, next season. It's just I, – I don't – I tried to go and like – Fine, and I do different types of play types, like pick and roll, which he actually has really good synergy numbers in pick and roll. I'm which trying to shocking. find things. I was surprised. At- I, yeah, I was just trying to find things that I'm like, could he be more than three and D? And and I I, I always came back to like doesn't look explosive and anything going north south loops a little bit to the basket, gets by the basket, and like does not have 
ex- explosion, you know, towards the rim in that sort of way. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it seems simple, but I just go, I, I think he's going to be a very competent defender and, um, the stroke looks really good to me. You know, he shot 36%. I think it was, uh, last year. I don't think he'll be like, like Cam Johnson. He's like, I think Cam Johnson's an elite NBA shooter, just like open gym, open shot. I think Cam Johnson's like elite at that. I don't know if I'd put Moody on, on that type of level, which I don't know, makes me more think of like average three and D sort of player, not really high end three and D player. Yeah, what, I do this thing sometimes when I watch shooters, just because I think feel like I could relate to that. Is are they are they more worried about like making their shot versus getting open? Because the really <laughs> good shooters that I know and coach and have watched, I feel like their number one priority is get open, move, yeah. relocate, cut, come off a screen, and if they can get open, the job's done, right? right. And I actually I felt that was kind of what where Moses Moody was where if he he I thought he relocated well I thought he played off the ball pretty well cut yeah he cut well like I just thought he was concerned again if he got to a spot if he got open he was gonna just get that ball like he shoots it way above his head like it mm-hmm. looks really nice and I always I like that when I think that's the guy's mindset get right. open yeah no I mean I, I think he's a and that like translates to great teammate and everything on like the, that we publicly have on like his background. I mean, he's, he went and played at Montverde with Scotty Barnes and uh, Cade Cunningham and is, he's kind of, it kind of feels like he's been grooming himself to be a fourth starter in the NBA for mm-hmm. ever. And, and you know what, if you're drafting at like 11 and you, and you're a good team and you can get your fourth starter at 11, that's actually where Cam Johnson was taken. Right. Um, that that's a win, you know. That's a win. It's it will be for me surprising, and I would be very curious as to why if a team were to take Moody at like seven with a book night still on the board, or Cunningham if he or, or sorry Kaminga if he's if he's falling for some reason, and you know, and again maybe that's just they're like we don't believe we believe Moody's going to be a worker and and learn and all those sort of things. I just. From the players we've watched, there's just a lot of guys I see that have um, higher athletic upsides. Moody has great tools that would that would leave me if I'm any team later in the lottery. I'm like, okay, cool, like let's do it. Come come in, fit around our you know. He the needs pieces structure. Have in place. I think Moody needs structure, right? I like that. You know, he's if you're a really bad team, if, if you're which you usually are if you're drafting early, right? then I think you're better off going for a home run. You're better off taking a guy with a higher upside. But if you're, you know, if yeah, at some point in the draft, those guys like we're done. Like right. those, there aren't right. the high upside guys anymore. That's what I'm saying. If, if the high upside guys are still there, it's weird to be, if not, and you're just ready to be like, get your rotation guy. Yeah. Get your rotation it. guy. If, if you're looking at two years from now, it, you, your goal is the playoffs and to be in competitive playoff series. Then Moody's a guy that you think could be your sixth, seventh, eighth man. Like mm-hmm. you know, you're just kind of trying to check boxes more so than hit a home run because you've got your right. you've got your pieces in place. Like I think Moody would be great on the Wolves. A yeah. guy like that where he's got talented dudes around him. He's going to do two things: he's going to guard people and he's going to space the floor and shoot threes. Like the Wolves, I think would be a great fit for a guy like Moses Moody. Mm-hmm. No, I'm I'm with you, and I think there's a lot of teams, a lot of teams in like that, that sort of way because there's a lot of teams need a defense defender. Yeah, well, yeah, because a lot of even bad teams, right? They have like two guys who are 
their centerpieces and typically their offensive centerpieces, right? And again, you know, with the Wolves, that's, you know, Cat and Ant and, and D'Lo, I throw in there too. I think a lot of teams are in, in situations kind of like that with, with two of those, but they just hemorrhage points like, you know, Sacramento or something. Um, and, and yeah, it's a stabilizer, right? It, it, he's, <laughs> he's Pepto-Bismol to a, to a team who's all offense and no defense. And, and, and I get that. I just, I am the type of person who is going to most times lean on going with somebody with a little more upside. And I just hoped, and maybe I'm missing something, you know, and maybe go back through, look more into some of this sort of stuff. All the people who, you know, do these breakdowns more. I, I, I actually want to read more on, on Moody. I, I haven't done a lot of that because I was, he was the last one I watched. So I was just jamming it all in. Who I want to be convinced more. I was hoping you, I was hoping you'd be on the other side of this than me. Um, I think I like him more than you do. I think so. But we don't, but, we're not terribly far. But off. some people like see kind of like star potential. Like I've, I've seen people talk about him going like six to the thunder. I think to be a start where the NBA is now, you have to be able to, your, your handle and your playmaking, you just have to have it. And I just, I think he's a long ways away from it. Could he get it? Sure. But I, I don't see much of anything off the dribble from him right well, now. Well, it's like, it's like, again, and Mikel Bridges is like, he's going to get like 20 some million a year to be a three and D player. But we watch these playoffs. Mikel Bridges is not doing and you could anything. Ask, you could ask a, an NBA fan to name the top 70 players in the NBA and he yeah. wouldn't name Mikael Bridges. Right. Who right. of the guys we've done, who do you think, how do I word this? How many have we done? 10? I think, yeah, 11, maybe. I don't know exactly. Who do you think has the lowest ceiling, lowest ceiling? Who would you be most surprised if they were an all-star all NBA? Probably Moody. No, mm. yeah, you're gonna say you're gonna say Wagner. (laughs) Oh no, I I will say Wagner. Yeah, yeah. I knew you would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say Wagner. But it goes back to the same thing. It's like I would say Keon Johnson. Yeah, well, it would be it would be those three probably. But at some point, how many like how many dudes make the All Star team every year that aren't one of Either really athletic, really big, or really like strong. And I, I, I mean, the worst, like the worst all-star I'm trying to think of in like recent years is like DeMontis Sabonis I mean, or something. But he's seven, how tall is he? Yeah, yeah, he's he's a, a dominant big. Right. And yeah, like so I don't know. I I, I think, yeah. I, I think I, I struggle to see not just Moses Moody, but yeah, anybody who D'Angelo Russell is probably the least athletic all-star of the past five years. Interesting. But, and and not that, and I think he, and I think he like deserved it too, because you know, he's like, he recognized his skill package totally came together, you know, translated to the NBA in time. um, And was, was really good on Brooklyn was really good at the end of the year with, you know, Minnesota this past year, but like nobody's looking at Dandre Russell is not it. Yeah. In the all-star game, he's the least athletic player in that all-star game. I would assume I'd have to, you know, go back and look at it. Right. And um, yeah, I just think that Moody isn't a terrible athlete. It's just the things to like about him are the tools, right? He's got, he's got tools to like, and yeah, that's just another way of saying Brandy. Yeah. I think he, yeah, I think he's, I mean, he's going to be a good rotational player in the league. I think I like his shot. I like his defense. He's long. 
I'll bet on that to be a rotational guy in the league. Just not sexy. No. All right. Um, well, we're going we're gonna to come back on. We're going to record on Tuesday night uh, a big board, a lottery big board for, for each of us. So we probably have a handful of players that Will and I are going to watch. We won't do a specific film review on them. Obviously, we got a little pinched here with the NBA Finals ending a week before the NBA draft. But um, I'm having a blast watching these guys. It makes it so much more fun for me to be able to watch them in the NBA uh, next season. I'm really interested to – I started watching Shengun and interested to talk with you about some of those other like international guys, how they sprinkle into this because I think we got like the top six, right? And then this whole like rest of lottery area is such an interesting like philosophical conversation, I think, of what are you prioritizing? Right. That's sort of because when the draft starts this year, kind of. It is. And it's like, yeah, I, I think – maybe you and I will be different in that. I think different front offices would, would prioritize different things in that, in, in that sort of way. So it'll be, it'll be fun to, to put together um, a big board and, you know, kind of have our, our flag planted again for this year and save them and look back and see how dumb we were. Cause we were certainly dumb last year on a, on a handful of guys, but it's, it's fun to do it. So thanks for doing it. Will. of course um, He's Wildeberg at WDeberg14 on Twitter. I'm Dane Moore at Dane Moore NBA. If you want to check out my last episode with Britt Robson, we kind of recap the NBA uh, finals and, and the Bucks winning the championship, but also get into Danilo, Danilo Gallinari trade rumors and what uh, we think might, what the immediate impact of Mark Ori and Alex Rodriguez coming in as, as owners might be. So go back and listen to that. Otherwise, um, I won't have another episode until Will and I do a big board on Tuesday night. Till then, he's Will. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah.